Our claps tend to scare my guinea pig. Let's let's, let's not scare the guinea pig. It's she's adorable. She is adorable. She makes me break out in hives from time to time if I don't wash my hands, but I still love her. For those who don't know, the Cookie Cave is also the home to a two-and-a-half-year-old guinea pig named Coco, who is not named after the exotic bean that contributes to chocolate, but rather the Coco programming framework from Apple Computers. This has been the nerdiest thing that's been said on this podcast. Yes, it has. We could use this podcast to debate everything that happened this week with the Avengers, but we don't, we're not a Premier League podcast, so we don't talk about Man City. I think Thanos is the Man City of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Weren't we also saying that about Chelsea a few years back? This is true, but Chelsea sold Mo Salah. Chelsea sold Mo Salah to Roma, who then sold them to Liverpool. And tomorrow, my friends, tomorrow. How much did a club buy Salah for? A lot less than he was recently bid for by Real Madrid. Real Madrid offered a rumored $200 million for him. And we're going to say no. And I'm perfectly okay with that. Because how many team, how many players have you lost to the Real Madrid's and Barcelona's? Uh, what well, to my count, several, um, Coutinho, Suarez, Suarez, um, Tora, Fernando Torres, 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 who is rumored to actually be coming to Seattle. Why have I not heard this? You keep telling me these players like Balotelli and Fernando Torres that are coming to Seattle when I don't even hear this. Yeah, Balotelli and Torres were both linked with one Seattle and a couple of other MLS clubs for the summer transfer window. One of them will end up in Seattle if for nothing else to fill the role that has been left by pretty much everybody in your club that's been hurt. Just I we need a striker. We just just give us a striker, any striker. That or heal Jordan Morris like an act of god. One of those two things. Maybe Thanos can use his Infinity Gauntlet to heal Jordan Morris. He never actually uses it for healing, but I would hope that he actually could. That's, that's because anything, that's because Thanos use the Time Stone. Use the Time yeah, Stone to go use back the time stone. and not let him play. That's and uh, that's because Thanos is Space Hitler. Well, that's an early show title. Uh, but here's my question. Thanos is Space Hitler. If you don't know what that means, read the comics. Read the comics, go see the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, what are you doing with your life? Exactly. But here I don't normally condone skipping sports, but I would con- be perfectly okay with skipping a soccer match to go see this movie. That's how good of a movie yes, it was. Yes. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10 would watch again. But here is my question. Going back to Liverpool, is 
Liverpool to Barcelona and Real Madrid as Southampton is to Liverpool? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. To be fair, though, we're saying Coutinho who all season long because Mo Salah is the second coming of everything. He's just he's like four goals away from being the all time leading scorer for the club in a single season. Is 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 uh Mo Salah the second coming of Steven Gerrard? I think Steven Gerrard was the first coming of Mo Salah. Speaking of Steven Gerrard, did you know he's gonna be a manager in the Scottish Premier League next year? Really? He has been associated with Rangers. That's interesting. So him him versus Brendan Rodgers at Celtic is going to be really awkward. Oh, yeah. Very awkward. Is Arsene, is Wenger going there as well? No, no. Wenger's going to coach the U.S. men's national team if we're unlucky enough. But here's here's the problem with Wenger coaching the uh, U.S. men's national team. We're going to come in fourth in the hex. We're going to play a playoff match to get into the World Cup. We're going to uh, get through the knockout stage, and then we're going to get paired up with Germany and lose in the round of 16. <laughs> oy vey. Oy, oy, oy. You're not wrong. <laughs> oh, there's Arsenal fans listening to this that are throwing things in their cars right now. I, I'm okay I, I with don't that. Think, I'm okay. I, I, I like to kid about what Arson coming to the U.S., but I don't think he's actually going to do it. I think he's honest to God going to retire, if anything, into the same exact hut as Thanos. Not That's not a spoiler. That's just Thanos retires into I, a Again, hut. read the comics. With a scarecrow wearing one of his three-piece suits. Does he also, also does he also you... wear a cummerbund? <laughs> I, I I'm not quite sure to be honest. I'm quite sure. I wonder has in has a soccer manager like most soccer players at least once in their career have after the game taken off their shirt and handed it to a kid in the stands or or traded or traded shirts with another player. Exactly. Has there a a good point? Has there a ever been a jacket exchange for managers? And B, has a manager ever given his jacket to a fan? The the problem with is with Wenger, I don't think he could get that puffy jacket off. He probably needs two people to help him just he, put it he on. Could, he could, probably could even find that zipper. I will always I will oh always remember. Gosh. The clip of him trying to put his hand in his pocket and then realizing his zipper is pocket is zipped up and just walks away like nothing happened. Well, enough zipper talk, I guess we could we could spend the later part of the podcast debating who our coach should be. But I don't think we have enough data in the world to some eyes all of that. So is it even without- worth it? At this point, no. We wait until the World Cup's over. I will maintain that stance, and that's the way it's going to be. So, with that being said, 
this is the American Soccer Broadcast. I'm your host, Alex Ryder, and I am joined by a man that I would cry tears of if he ever faded into ash, Jordan Hawkins. You said something... What did you say to me about me last time we recorded? I, I don't remember last time, but it, you said it was the nicest thing I'd ever said about you. That, that I mean, also might be one of the nicest things somebody ever said about me. You're, you're, the, you're the Spider-Man to my Iron Man. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop you right there. That might be a spoiler. No context. No context. He he he's concerned about spoilers. I'm not. We'll move on. How's it going, Jordan? Well, we're uh, gonna uh, get uh, some hate mail now. I, I I I highly doubt we will get any hate mail. And if people haven't seen the movie by the time I publish this on Friday, I honestly don't feel very bad for them because it's all over everywhere, and that was a very, very, very light spoiler, but we will move right along. And then, um, and then have, you actually post that we have a new episode on Sunday. I'll probably end up posting this on Thursday or Friday, depending on how my week goes. It all depends on how work goes, which is basically running my life right now. But Ladies and gentlemen, know, uh, Alex posted, when did you actually post the episode? Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He he's right. He's right, folks. I posted the episode Thursday night 2 weeks ago. So about a week and a half ago. I didn't actually tweet about it until that Sunday because I completely forgot. So, my bad. If people missed it, that's my fault. This one's on me. So, Shall we get to the football? To the football. I don't think we have anything to open because we don't have a beer sponsorship or a drink sponsorship yep. like Men in Blazers, nor do we have any sponsorship whatsoever, but to the to the soccer indeed. If anyone wants to sponsor us, just give us a call. We like sponsors. Or tweet at us or anything. I mean, we literally take anything at this point. You could pay us in soccer kits. We both have a soccer kid addiction but we'll, we'll take audible at this point. point i think you go to audible i don't think audible comes to you fair enough so audible walked up to me in a bar and <laughs> it doesn't get said that way but who knows to the soccer um weird weekend for soccer in the united states because I don't know if this is the first time this has ever happened, but it wouldn't surprise me if it is. Not one, but two new soccer-specific stadiums open this week. Jordan? This is true. First off, the the headline of the week, the, the finale of the MLS Match Day 8 was your Seattle Sounders visiting LAFC for their first ever home game since being since Chivas USA stopped playing at the StubHub Center in 2014. And now they actually have a team in Los Angeles. 
in the city right next to the Coliseum. You can literally see downtown L.A. through the, through the cracks in the stadium. It's wonderful. What would you call them? They're not cracks. The corners. Is it just a corner? I think that's just what it is. It's it's, it's a corner. It's where they take. Yeah. It's where they take corners from. I mean, not all stadiums have that, though. You look at stadiums. Some stadiums just fill those spots in, but soccer tends to be very. You look at it. You don't have this angle. It's like it's like church. Some churches have the three sides where you just look in. There's not an actual angle. I don't know. You and I went to a church in college that had one of those three sides that looked like a cross from the sky. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, but, um, yeah. LAFC opened a shiny new stadium for a shiny new team. Sellout crowd. What was it? Twenty. 5,000? What's what's the actual capacity of that stadium? I want to say it's 25,000. If only we had actually done our preparations for this, we would be able to tell you for sure. But we're we're not journalists. We're pundits. Yeah, if we were journalists, I would do this for a living and would be doing this from a... Oh, only 22. I thought it was more. It's only 22,000. It was a sellout crowd... They have a they have safe standing, which I'm quite yeah. sure most of the English clubs are very jealous of. But they've got a, it, it's a very similar layout to Orlando City Stadium, but it again its its location is incredible. Yeah, it's it's a literally right nice, next to the Coliseum. That's a really nice lo- location, and I am very surprised that the Los Angeles Rams don't want to play in it. <laughs> they could probably barely sell it out to be completely honest. Same with the Chargers, but but we're talking <laughs> well, we're talking about the other kind of football. Wouldn't that be great? Have both football teams sharing stadiums with the two soccer teams? That would be incredible. Where the soccer teams are the primary attendants. Well, that that's already happening in with the chargers. So it's an incredible world to live in where the chargers are barely selling out that stadium. And LAFC is selling out week in and week out. Would, will that also be the case? Will that also be the case once, uh, Tottenham build their new stadium and the NFL moves a team to London. Here's the thing. I, I don't based on this. Ooh, and that's a good topic to touch on real quick. Um, is the owner of as you as you're kind of bringing up the, uh, late last week, right before the NFL draft, actually the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars actually said that he, who is also the owner of Fulham, who are about to be promoted back to the Premier League, and I for one welcome them because they have always been friendly to you as soccer, namely to veterans. Um, of that club, Clint Dempsey, one of their greats. But th- he actually said that he would be willing to buy Wembley Stadium from the FA, which, of course, sent all Jacksonville Jaguars fans into a semi-suicidal spiral where they were like, 
oh no, what we feared is all already happening. I, for one, don't think that we need to have a, an NFL team in London. I don't think that these domestic leagues should be going across the ocean. I don't think that this rumor about the Premier League coming to the U.S. and having a 39th game in the U.S., that shouldn't exist. No. Stay in your country. But What they're doing with the um, Champions Cup is good enough. Here, here are my two thoughts. If Jacksonville actually does move their franchise to London, I'm guessing they'll get maybe 2,000 in Wembley. Four games and two. for two two thousand, that sh- because American football will never work in the UK or or London or London for Why? that matter because one, it's basically saying, "Hey, you like rugby? Here's a worse version of that." Holy crap! You honest to God think that American football is worse than rugby? I am not saying that. I would, I would, I would be saying that from the point of view from from English, from an English okay. standpoint. Okay, that makes sense. From that's, for for a cut. That's like saying you like this thing, but our thing is better, even though Roger Goodell is ruining American football. It's from an English standpoint. For people who grew up with rugby and soccer, American football will never work in the UK. Which is exactly why why NFL Europe never while why NFL Europe crashed and burned. Yeah, which this is why I don't want I, I'm not a proponent of having a team there at all. I think it should stay domestic. I don't mind these international games. I just think it would be a little harder for the Premier League. I don't think the Premier League should create a new game just to go play foreignly. I think that maybe they should work out a deal where one or two matches a year take place on the East Coast. There's no way you can do it on the West Coast for time issues. It would have to be on the East Coast. The International Champions Cup is fine it's fine from the standpoint that we get to see our favorite teams i for one am debating a trip up to ann arbor this year that you and i can talk about offline to go see go see liverpool play manchester united in one of the largest sports stadiums in the world it's top five sports stadium in the world I think it's second only to a stadium in North Korea, and for all we know, that's not even real. So, I I, I, th- I think that stadium is real, and it's only served to give praise to their glorious leader, who also recently made peace, apparently. Which I I where do you stand on the Men in Blazers poll, where it's North Korea and South Korea? becoming peaceful or arson and Jose becoming peaceful again. I would think the for the, the former just because arson is not, is no longer uh, managing arsenal. But here's the other thing. 
these countries have been at war for 60 years. And they still have a more comfortable handshake than Donald Trump and Malia. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I like that. That settles that debate. Um, Uh, But going back to uh, London and Wembley and uh, Jacksonville and everything, all that. Here's my final thought on that. If that does actually happen, at least the winner of the Super Bowl can actually say that they are world champions. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. Because but... they cannot say that at this point because they they only play to other teams in America. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have no... There are two sports where I have no problem with them claiming that they are world champions. I have no problem with bait with major league baseball saying they are the champions of the world. One, because there's two countries represented in major league baseball and two, because the only other country that has remotely respectable baseball when it comes to organized professional ball is Japan. Other than that, it's a, it's pretty clear cut that, Major League Baseball is the world's co- competitor ground for ba- for American baseball. The same thing goes for American football because American football is barely played professionally anywhere else. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a very fair point. But it doesn't change the fact that it is close, close-minded and it's why so many people are closed off to soccer because they don't understand a lot of sports fans in the United States don't understand how much how simple and how, yet how beautiful soccer is. They can't appreciate the fact that some matches might end in a zero nil nil draw and still be incredible matches to attend. Just look at any of the the last two years worth of Liverpool versus Manchester United. Mm-hmm. We've had two matches end in nil-nil draws where we've been fascinated by it. And I, Same. I don't think people understand how accessible the sport is. Especially now with the advent of social media and the internet. Exactly. But I'm, I'm speaking more from a point, uh, really, to play soccer you only need something at least resembling a ball. And two things designating a goal. That's all you need. And though, and you will see several Coca-Cola commercials representing just that during this summer's World Cup. Mm-hmm. I'm quite sure. I put money. And that is, I that put is, enough money to buy 23andMe on it. That's it. That is exactly why it's the most popular sport in the world. That and it has the best overall organized competitions where nationalized clubs play internationally not just in a one organized multinational league such as the nba major league baseball or the national hockey league you play in these competitions such as and this is actually going to be a segue into our second unplanned topic um such as the Concacaf champions league where mexican teams that normally wouldn't play play each other yeah 
where do you stand on this whole Toronto losing in penalties thing? Do you think that they gave it their all, or do you think they got ri- that they kind of died on the vine? Okay, he- here's the thing about that game. I mean, that game was amazing to watch. Uh, but here's the thing. I am a huge admirer of Shiva's Guadalajara, and here is why. Because of their policy to only field Mexican players. They will not they will not field players from other countries. You admire that? Yes. Go on, why? Because it is so easy for teams like 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 a Club America uh, Tijuana to just shell out a bunch of money and buy players from other countries and basically buy a title. I mean, I don't disagree with that, but I also think that that's a very close-minded, only going to benefit developing domestic players, whereas you also, you got to bring in the best players that you can pay for on a reasonable level. I mean, this isn't the Premier League. No. it's But... You got to bring in the best players that you can to challenge the other players that you're either developing or have come to your club to develop further for their national team. That's why you see so many Mexican players go to leagues like the Bundesliga and the Premier League because they want to be challenged. They don't necessarily want all the playing time or all the glory, they want to be challenged so they can go back to Mexico and win. And that's something that the U.S. has has been pretty good about, is finding a challenge that's right for them and is comfortable for them. Jordan Morris, for example, realized that he probably wouldn't benefit from signing with Warder Brennan and instead went to Seattle. I think that he honestly would have failed out at Warder Brennan, not because of his skill or of his fitness, but because of his uncomfort- how uncomfortable it would have been to be in a foreign club. Language is a big thing, mm-hmm. and it's hard. Culture is just as hard. It's, it, it's, culture is hard, not only... Um living in a country where you don't know the language, but also on the field and in the locker room. Exactly. You don't want... It's like a lot of these Japanese players that come to the U.S. and have to have translators. It's harder for them to develop a dynamic with their team. Same thing in the Premier League. Liverpool was just talking today about how or no, not Liverpool. Orlando City was just talking... Other club I love. Orlando City was just talking today about how they're trying to break down the language barrier between the Eng- the English-speaking players, the Spanish-speaking players, and the Portuguese-speaking players. And they're doing a really good job. It's a mix of cultures. Yeah. You, don't, you don't see this mix of cultures at this scale in any other sport anywhere in the world and you have to bring in the best players from all over the world and there are good players from all over the world just look at the premier league look at mls 
Yeah. I don't I don't like that dynamic. I have respect for it. It's an ideal that I can at least respect, but I don't think it's beneficial both to the club and to the players on that club. And here here's the other thing about that. Uh, two other things, actually. I think it was a great moment for the club because if you look at the standings in Liga MX, Guadalajara is actually struggling in Liga MX. And I think that was a great moment for their club and their fans to win a title of that magnitude. And yet they're going to go get their butts kicked by a European club in the Club World Cup in December. Yep. We're not going to say who that club is yet because we don't want to invite the wrath from high atop the thing because I'm superstitious when it comes to sports. So I've made Jordan multiple times in the past 24 hours go outside in the the cold springtime air of Indiana it, and spin around let, three let times, me stop you right there. throw salt. Let me stop you right there. It is actually warm. Here in Indiana. I did yard work. What is your definition of warm? See, here's the thing. My definition of warm is different from other people that live in Indiana. I tell people that I could live in Canada if I needed to. Which you at one time were attempting to do, if my memory serves me correctly. Yes, but that's that's beside the point. But I... I, Each his own. But here's one last thing from that match for me. Michael Bradley, what the (laughs) world are you doing? Okay, I'm not going to trash on Michael Bradley, but he he doesn't have an excuse for that one. I don't think he has an excuse, and I honestly think he thought he was back in Mexico City chipping the ball in from half Half yeah. the halfway line, but, not taking a penalty kick. But here, it, it, there, so many things went wrong at that during that penalty kicks that it, it's the cruel. I it, if there's anything we get out of this, it's that it should not be how you end a final. You shouldn't go straight to penalty kicks. No, and they literally sacrificed at least six points in MLS just to do this. They literally sent the the Toronto team was in Guadalajara a week before the match. They literally sent a majority of their TFC2 team to play their MLS match that mm-hmm. week and sign them all to one-game contracts. Yep. It's basically what Liverpool is doing in the Premier League right now. But... I mean, well, Man City have, have already won the league, but anyway. Well, no, but we still got to get top four. Yes, that is true. But, and here's the thing. Michael, I'm not going to trash on Michael Michael Bradley because Michael Bradley is a great player and he's going to be a legend. He's going to be a legend. He's going to go down in history in as far as the national team goes. But those moments... At those huge games, the CONCACAF Champions League in Guadalajara, the MLS Cup match in 2016, where he where he missed he missed a penalty there too. 
it's those big moments that mark a player's legacy. Yeah. And unfortunately, like Josie Altador, it's going to mar his legacy. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing they can do now. They just have to move on with it. And hope, I, I thought hope. it was admirable. I think it's funny that the last two MLS clubs to go to the final in the CONCACAF Champions League have both been Canadian clubs. Who knows? Maybe two or three years from now, Vancouver will go. Who knows? Led by Breck Shea, of all people. So, yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's all I have to say about the CONCACAF Champions League title. Well, speaking of... Um, <laughs> speaking of Mexican culture... One going back kind of to this Bank of America Stadium opening, there was some incidents where the famous chant that a lot of Mexican soccer fans like to use. I'm going to say not Mexican soccer, Hispanic soccer fans like to use was used in force during every goal kick during this LAFC match and LAFC in the 3552 the main supporters group for LAFC came out and condemned it in the strongest circumstance uh-huh. how do you how do you go about in a country that does have free speech how do you go about doing this jordan here, here. i have no problem with swearing during Soccer chants, but derogatory chants like this when it comes to insulting other people that are different, it has no place in this. No, it, it, it doesn't. It's it, it it's it's bigotry. It, it's bi- it's bigotry. It, it really is. And here here's the thing about free speech. You can say whatever you want, but the second you are putting another person down that's where it stops it doesn't mean it's like it's been said you can speak as freely as you want it doesn't mean i have to listen and lafc and is it the 3252 or is it 3552 it's one of those i honestly get it mixed up but I think it's the 3552. The LAFC supporters came out and condemned it. And I'm glad that they did. And I hope that they can figure out a way to do it. I, I certainly hope they, that they stomp this into the ground and with force. And they have certainly come out and condemned this much harder than the Mexican FA has ever done it. And I hope that this has an overall arching effect into to convince the Mexican FA to change their mind. Yes. I, I, I feel bad because I feel bad for the LAFC fans and I feel bad for the owners, that giant 30-something group, including Will Ferrell and his hawk, for for the fact that, yes, they had that incredible... Last minute, and I'm sorry this is going to upset you because it came at cost to, to Seattle, but they had that incredible free kick in 
added time to win the game 1-0 and to give them a memorable opening match. Having been a part of opening match, an opening match very similar to this last year at Orlando City Stadium, I remember that and I will remember it for the rest of my life. But to have the media turn it by Monday afternoon, tarnishing it with this, with these news stories and the condemnation that came after it from them, it kind of it's kind of a bummer. It it really is a bummer because you never forget your first time. You never forget your first time. You don't. And if your first time is has this great last minute celebration, which, by the way, was brilliant. Kissing Bob Bradley's bald forehead is very, very provocative. Bald's win. Bald's win. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But having it tarnished in the press is very much a bummer. Mm-hmm. So ho- hopefully that they can overcome it and find a way to better articulate than to insult those that are different from them. Mm-hmm. So speaking of stadium openings, there was another one. Like I said, this was a very weird weekend in your in U.S. soccer culture. Another stadium opened in the suburbs of Utah with Zion Bank Stadium opened for the Real Monarchs of the USL. The feeder team for Real Salt Lake opened their own state-of-the-art 5,000-seater stadium in a suburb of Salt Lake City to a sold-out crowd on a Monday night. This is... This is very impressive to me because not only is it a, is it the gold standard for lower division soccer stadiums right now, but it's it's coming from a club that is literally literally last year was playing at the stadium of their feeder club. In many ways, like you've got LAFC, LA or not LAFC, LA Galaxy Two who play at StubHub Center. You've got uh, um, New York Red Bulls, too, that play at Red Bull Arena and draw about as many people as the normal Red Bulls do. But And, and you got, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Swoop Parker Angers also play at Children's no, Mercy. No, they actually played in this, a suburb of Kansas City. They actually played at the same stadium that the um FC Kansas City played at before they were dissolved and actually shipped over to Salt Lake City so so here's my question will Utah's um Royals FC actually play at this stadium I've read that it's going to be kind of they're going to go back and forth depending on the match which is very cool I think it's a very admirable thing to Sometimes play in the city, sometimes play in the suburbs. It's kind of a... If anybody could probably learn from this, it's the Chicago Fire. Mm-hmm. But they're about to be lose a bunch of their fans to the 2020 um, cl- 
club that's going to play in USL in North Chicago. It's going to, in many ways, I think it's going to be the NYCFC to Chicago's Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. See, I thought you were going to refer to Chicago Fire changing the name of their stadium sponsor. Okay, I don't know if that. Uh, just go ahead and say the name. It's. Here, here's the thing. I texted you about this. I yelled across a theater, a movie theater, to a gentleman wearing a Chicago Fire jacket that your new stadium sponsor sucks. And he agreed. The only stadium name that is worse than that is the new name of Comiskey Park. Which is like something, something, loan, something, something. It's like guaranteed, it's like, guaranteed low rate or something. Exactly. Just call it's, it Comiskey it's... Park, please. Like, I'm all for naming it by corporate sponsors, but actually use good corporate sponsors. Like, why in the name of all that is holy didn't Portillo's go out and call it Portillo's Park? Like, come on. It's there for the taking. Just call it Portillo's Park. I would... Okay, never mind. I almost said I would consider becoming a White Sox fan just for that, but that is a blatant lie because the Cubs are the best. That's like... Almost... That's like blasphemy. I and, know. And I'm that's not even why, a Cubs fan. That's why, that's why I feel bad for even having thought that because I love Portillo's. I just had Portillo's last week at, in my normal route where I drive from... Naples to Tampa, stop in Tampa for a chili dog and fries, and then I continue on to Orlando where I blow my voice box out. That's a good weekend. If if it includes Portillo's, it's a good Amen weekend. Amen to that. That's not a weekend. That's a day for me. I do that all in one day. Did you have a cake shake? But anyways, so yeah, I no longer partake of cake shake due to the fact that I'm diabetic and above the age of 25. That's fair. That is that is certainly fair. Yeah, I I think it's going to be a positive outcome for RSL in the long term because they have state of the art facilities for their feeder team that they're going to see. Like I was talking about earlier with Chivas Guadalajara, they're going to see improved quality and improved competition that's going to lead to better homegrown players in the long run because of this facility. They're they're investing a lot of money into it and they're going to get a good outcome. And it looks like a lot of the locals love it because they get a second te- team to cheer on, which more power to them. And any they by anything... far lead the attendance for um USL clubs that are so that are feeder teams for MLS clubs. Anything that uh how do I say this? Removes a USL two club from its parent club is going to be better for that MLS two club because exactly. you're anything you're going to draw on more fans, you're going to draw on more revenue, and it's going to be better for the MLS and the MLS two club as a whole. Exactly. Absolutely. I one hundred percent agree with that. Speaking of things that are beneficial to U.S. soccer, Memorial Day, Pennsylvania, 
the site of the Philadelphia Union's home stadium, we get to see an old friend return to his home state. Do we, do we call him the prodigal son for this match? This is the prodigal son. The <laughs> prodigal son who was devastated by his failure to lift the U.S. upon his young but strengthened shoulders. The, ger- the German expat living in Germany but wishing he was in Pennsylvania with his dog and family. The pride of Hershey, Pennsylvania, Christian Pulisic is returning to our shores to don the red, the white, and the blue. I, for one, think this is a great narrative, despite the fact that we are just playing a warm-up match for for no tournament whatsoever. We're just playing a warm-up match for the friendlies we're going to play in Europe in the fall. Anytime, okay, here's the thing. Anytime Pulisic is going to play with the U.S. men's national team, it's a good thing. He's going to get more time playing on an international stage. I mean, he he basically already plays on an international stage with Dortmund. But anytime, because you know he's eventually going to be leading this squad. At the 2026 World Cup. 2022. 2022, sorry. Yeah. I think he will be... Some would say that he's not going to be captain until 2026. I think he will be captain in 2022. He will be captain in 2022. Hopefully not in a a desert country, but we'll see what happens. (sighs) Anyways, um... Well, that depends on Mo Salah making peace in the Middle East, but Mo Salah, your only your only hope. He's not our only hope, but he is he is our savior. He is our Egyptian king. Anyways, I I look forward to seeing Christian Pulisic playing with some of these younger players, especially Timothy Witt. Mm-hmm. I think that, and we'll probably make predictions in the next show before this match hap- kicks off on Memorial the afternoon evening of Memorial Day depending on where you are in this fine country I'm, I'm... I can't wait to see how, how he interacts with Timothy way mm-hmm. I'm only just I'm only a little disappointed that Pulisic and Timothy way are not eligible to be elected president in 2020 <sighs> Yeah, we're going to have to wait a while for that. But by the time Christian Pulisic hoists the World Cup in the in either Jerry World or Inglewood, California at the future home of the L.A. Chargers and L.A. Rams in the final of the 2026 World Cup, he should be getting closer to being 35 and eligible to run for president. So... With this, I say, not Pulisic 2020, not Pulisic 2024, I say Christian Pulisic 2028. Because if a billionaire reality star can become president, anybody can. 
Yes, but right now that billionaire reality star is kind of our friend. And we'll just kind of glance over that with the fact that our the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, has been tweeting recently about the need for other associated countries that have backed us in international things to also back us for the 2026 World Cup. I have thoughts about this. I know you do too. Shoot. Do we have to talk about this? Do we Do we really have to talk about this? Briefly. We have to talk about this briefly because I do think that the fact that he has now tweeted about it multiple times and that there's been a dialogue between him and FIFA merits discussion. I don't like the fact that he hasn't been going through official channels on this. I also think that his Twitter account should be protected like the nuclear launch codes, but that's beside the point. I also think that he should have taken this through official channels through the USSF, not tweeting it out on his personal Twitter account because that hurt us. You know darn well that was more a detriment than a, I mean, than a help. He, he has, Especially coming from him right now. In he, the he already hurt our chances of hosting the 2020 World Six World Cup when he was elected, and now he's hurt our chances even more. I don't think his election had anything to do with it. I think his foreign policy for immigration hurt us. That That is yeah. true. He, I mean, but he made his anti-immigration policy very clear during his campaign. Absolutely. So and I, I and his you, and his elect his election his uh inauguration into the Oval Office only just put a stamp on it. And now tweeting about the World Cup has only hurt our chances even yeah, if he would have gone, I, I th- do you think if he would have gone through official channels, we would have benefited from it, or is his name tarnished enough in the international community where it wouldn't a- matter? Anything his name is attached to has just has this stink to it. Yeah, unfortunately. And, and his name now just has this this reputation. Anytime you hear that name, everything that he has represented from the beginning of time is attached to it. Yeah. So let's hope that it didn't kill, kill it before it arrives, but we'll say we'll find out more after this coming world cup this summer. Speaking of, I, I, I really don't know how to make a segue from that to this because that was kind of a depressing subject. This is equally depressing depending on how you feel about the current soccer pyramid in the United States. But a recent report came out later this week or earlier this week about how the the new owner of the New York Cosmos, Rocco Comisio, announced that he was willing to invest. And just to clarify your point earlier, you said $250 million. You were partially right. He is willing to invest $250 million of his own money and lead another venture fund of another $250 investment 
into the National NASL, the league that currently has three teams and is on hiatus until 2019. He wants to pour money into this league so it can again compete with the likes of USL and the MLS under the stipulation that if he were to invest it, there would be stipulations. Where do you stand on this? What do you think of his actual stipulations, Jordan? Just to, just to be clear for everybody, what are his stipulations? The stipulations are that he would guarantee be guaranteed a 10-year window from the USSF to become compliant with the soccer league standards that they have created in order to achieve the pyramid stance that they want to achieve. And it would also be contingent on removing the barriers when it comes to, and this is, I'm, I'm paraphrasing from a, the Guardian article, you can see it in the show notes, that removes the conflict of interest if you would say with the M- with MLS and USL when it comes to the leadership and all that so basically he wants it to be fair again and he wants to pour 500 million dollars into a league that no one even knows exists to make it the top flight of US soccer of the US soccer pyramid in order to create a promotion and relegation system in this pyramid that is fair and honest i don't know how to feel about this because it feels so haphazard the same thing happened with the ricardo da silva the owner of miami fc last year he did the same exact thing but here's my it was like a billion dollars My question is, is anything at all going to save this league? The, the, in my mind, the only can, that thing that can save this league is the USSF making a statement that the NASL will be included in the U.S. soccer pyramid. That's the only thing. I think two things would save it. One, that pretty much that about a guarantee which is the 10-year permission that they would be granted provisional i i would imagine they would again seek second division status because seeking first division status in their current state is suicide and you, you, the nasl in its current state is never going to compete with mls never i i would argue that the it, it's, NASL it's not, it's not in its com- current state couldn't compete with the PDL. It couldn't compete with the PDL. It couldn't compete with the USL D3. It couldn't compete with the NPSL. And the USL D3 doesn't even ex- have a single player signed to it yet, and yet they still have as many teams as NASL. Exactly. And, and like you said, the owner of Miami FC has already thrown a bunch of money at this problem it's 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 proof that 
throwing money into this problem is not going to work. It's it's not just a money issue. It's a culture issue. It's you have to find the proper markets and the proper partners in order to make this happen. Not to mention the fact that soccer as a market in the U.S. is growing exponentially. Go look at USL attendance records. They were they were bragging this week about the continued growth of the USL. But it, it is growing, but in terms of uh, the larger sports culture in the U.S., it has been it's, only, it's very, very new compared to the NFL, the MLB, uh, the NBA. It is, it is a baby. And that's you can't just give a baby a billion dollars and hope that it's going to grow up and be a good person. Just look at Paris Hilton or any of the Trump children. Exactly. And, and are we forgetting that this, uh, two years ago, the cosmos almost didn't exist. As far as I'm concerned, they exist as a semi pro team. That's fielding a bunch of college students. Well, yes, but they literally wine, wine, and pouted their way into the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, which actually begins play later this week. Yes, but if if for those that do not remember, they won the Soccer Cup, which is a terrible name, by the way. Well, that's that's tr- that's one of those things where you inherit a name from a tradition and you shouldn't have inherited that name because it's terrible. The last two winners of this NASL final have folded. And, and that includes and no the one Cosmos. Came to save the, and no one came to save the Deltas nope. in San Francisco. Which, nope. How, how does, how does a team, how does a soccer team in one of the most hip modern young cities in the world fail the way that the San Francisco Deltas did. How does that happen? Because this is a league that has been poorly mismanaged from the beginning. And they and yet this is a league that we want to give five hundred million dollars to in order to create the top tier of US soccer so that we can create a fair in their words, a fair dynamic pyramid that promotes merit. That's what we want to do? Money don't mean a thing if you you don't use it correctly. I would rather give that $500 million. I, I would be perfectly okay with allowing the Cosmos into MLS. Hear me out. Hear me out. I would be perfectly okay with allowing the Cosmos and Miami FC and whoever else in the left in the NASL carcass into MLS just to prove a point. Allow them in, see if they can create a soccer culture, and if they do, great. Now they have the merit to win and to go to playoff games and to sell merch and to be to create new players that then go on to create international fame. If they do all those things, 
then they will succeed not only as a club, but will grow U.S. soccer as a whole. Join in with an establishment. Yes, the MLS establishment is far from perfect, and there needs to be a little bit of more open-mindedness once the expansion process completes next year with the announcements of MLS 27 and 28 with the impending announcement of MLS what is it MLS MLS 26 whether that's going to be Cincinnati or Sacramento which based on the fact and again we're going all ADD on this but based on the fact that the owner of FC Cincinnati was at the opening of Bank of America Stadium this weekend. I think it's safe to say we're going to see a MLS team in the Queen City here not in not very long a time. And, of course, that all depends on what in the world is going to happen with Columbus. Again, exactly. And, and the Columbus, I honestly think that the Columbus conundrum is going to set the stage for how this whole pyramid scene happens because the the main reason that the owner of the cosmos the main reason the commissio wants to invest 500 million dollars into a broken dysfunctional league is because he wants to create promotion and relegation in the united states i'm quite sure he's having backroom discussions with the group that's trying to found the nisa which is dead on arrival if you ask me but i i i feel like it would hurt to have two parallel because that's what they at this point if they're not going to get mls and usl to move you're going to have this the risk of having nasl attempt to get first division status and isa attempt to get second division status and mpsl move up to get third division status and they would create a promotion relegation and try and steal players away from MLS. That would be hurtful. I'm all for competition, but that would be hurtful. It's not going to hurt the NASL. It's going to hurt the soccer environment. It's going to hurt the soccer landscape in the U.S. as a whole. It's going to draw people out. I mean, in certain cities, you've got... There's talk of an NISA team in Chicago, while there's also talk of a USL team in Chicago. So in theory, Chicago would go from being a one soccer team city to a three soccer team city. And the only loser in that would be the Chicago Fire because A, their ownership doesn't care about them nearly as much. B, their stadium is showing its age. And see, they're not a great team right now. Where fair weather fans would be drawn to a newer team. So that would hurt them. Same thing would happen in, in New York. It would happen, it would be devastating in the southern states. Because you've got, you would have pull from the Hispanic fans. Who would want to go see soccer that they're more familiar with. And that brings this to the point of A, is having two parallel pyramids at the same time good for U.S. soccer? And B, is promotion and relegation 
business feasible in American soccer or even remotely sustainable through the way that they want to do it versus merging with USL and MLS and slowly building to that point where it would be healthy to do promotion and relegation. I, yes, they. I believe that promotion relegation would be beneficial in the long run to soccer in the U.S., but they're going about this the completely wrong way. If they want to do it, have the discussion. Don't don't make Don Garber to sound like a corrupt politician in the press. Have constructive conversations. It's not like we don't see these conversations happen two or three times a year on Fox Sports 1 or ESPN. I mean, look, the entire U.S. soccer pyramid now has a national TV deal. $5 a month gets you, and this is not an advertisement for ESPN+, Plus, but it basically is, gets you right now the top two divisions of U.S. soccer and will next year get you the top three divisions of USL soccer for $5 a month. Honestly, I think the best way to do this, to introduce promotion relegation in the U- into soccer in the U.S., is wait until you have all teams, you, you have reached your cap in the MLS, you, and you set that beforehand. It's basically been set. It, it, it has been, been set. very clear in saying it's going to be 28. You, you in, makes sense. You introduce uh, MLS 27-28, and you introduce Miami, and you say... No more teams. That's it. And then you introduce promo- promotional relegation between USL, USL D3, and the PDL. See how it works. See how it works in the U.S. sports environment. And if it does work, gradually and to start the discussion about introducing that in MLS. And not necessarily, I mean, Liga MX recently has, there's been rumors that Liga MX was planning on stopping promotion and relegation in Mexico for four years due to business concerns for the second division teams. If you were to do comparisons of their lower division teams with ours, I would argue that we might be able to find some similar comparisons, especially when it comes to the quality of modern facilities. And if we were to start doing that and then look at, because I think the Liga MX, they're not a traditional promotion relegation. They've got a aggregate over a couple of years thing. It's it's the same thing with MLS and between MLS and USL. It's an aggregate. I a last. If I remember correctly, last I heard, it's over three years. So that way, if a top team, say like like Guadalajara, like the season season they're having, a a landmark club in Liga MX has a has a bad season, they don't get relegated down to the second division, and then they just they and which would be catastrophic for them in in the same thing it's like there's not nearly as much in liga mx somewhat and definitely in mls 
there is vi- there's a lot more parity of quality that that parity is dividing some more and more every year especially with the introduction of discretionary tam this year which is 2.6 million dollars that it's basically a a fourth dp slush fund that the club has the option to spend out of their own pockets that if they want to they can buy down more players for the cap and have more quality and it's dependent on the owners so if the owners are rich and the or the owners are getting a lot of people in the gates like the owners of Atlanta United, the owners of Seattle Sounders, Toronto FC, Orlando City, these clubs that are bringing in 25 to 40,000 people consistently have this option to get a smaller leg up and that's creating a slightly different but it's also optional. So if you have that and then you have teams like New England, Columbus, when it comes to certain aspects, they've been playing pretty well, so they wouldn't lose that on merit. When you have teams like, I don't know, list off a couple of Vancouver, who always have average performances, they would be punished for those average performances by being relegated to the USL and having to play back into MLS the next year. Mm-hmm. Even make it like um, promotion and relegation in Germany, where the top bottom two teams have to face the top two teams. No. Or the, something. What is it? What, what, it, what is it in Germany? What it is in Germany is the bottom two teams in Bundesliga 1 are relegated to Bundesliga 2, and the top two teams in the second division in Germany are promoted to the top flight. And the third place team, and I don't know how many teams there are in Bundesliga 1, but let's say there's uh, 20 teams in Bundesliga 1, the 17th place, uh, no, the 18th place team, those teams will play each other, and if the team that is still in Bundesliga 1, they stay in Bundesliga 1. But if the team from Bundesliga 2, they win, those teams flip-flop. It's it's a playoff, basically. Yeah, so do something like that. Do the Audi MLS USL relegation playoffs presented by Audi and have the Audi player index and all that crap. Do that once you get to... I mean, USL's almost at 28. Uh, USL's over 28 teams already. Get every league, get MLS to 28 teams, get USL to 28 teams, get USL D3 to 28 teams, which would be very possible by sending all of the MLS-associated clubs down to USL D3, mm-hmm. and boom, you've got a stable, what's 28 times 3? 84 that's an 84 team top three tier i don't think we need a fourth tier in the foreseeable future if we do that because and you do what the 
the Audi MLS playoffs are the top eight teams, right? Yes. So you have the top eight teams. They're safe. You have 20 teams that just stop playing at the end of the season. You get four of the teams at the bottom, or you do some kind of system of the relegation table for the past two seasons, something like that. And you do it over the past two seasons, the way they're doing uh CONCACAF champions league qualification right now, where it's aggregate over the last two seasons or something stupid like that. You do that over a two year span. I don't think it would be, should be more than two years. And the, bottom two teams are automatically relegated and then the next team or two have to play in a mini playoff with the with the third and fourth place teams in the USL which you would have to probably qualify that base based on the I'm just trying, I'm spitballing this. What the problem is, is we put so much emphasis on the playoffs in U.S. soccer, whereas the top four or the bottom four in most other soccer leagues is based on just the table. Mm-hmm. And whereas the I, table I doesn't think... mean as much once it comes to you, you win the regular season. The, the, one of the problems with the MLS is that there is no emphasis on the supporter shield. None. None. Whatsoever. Which is a shame because it does get you CONCACAF qualification. It, it does get you CONCACAF qualification. It, it says your team was the best team overall for a season. It's it's the equivalent of a premier. How long it is? It's a, the equivalent of a Premier League title, a Bundesliga title, uh, French League t- uh, league one title, what have you. It's saying Minus that you games. were the best team uh, this uh, this season. Where the MLS Cup is saying you're the best team over four games that you you got you just got hot at the right time. But U.S. soccer fans demand a championship game. That's why so many people from the U.S. turn into the Champions League because the, it's a winner takes all. That's it's, why it's the a World winner, Cup is so popular. It, it's it's a winner takes all, it, and that's why people get together to watch the Super Bowl. Exactly. It, it's why people get get together to watch the Final Four of the NCAA tournament. And the other problem is is when you don't have relegation, the bottom teams that that don't play for the playoffs, there's nothing else for them to do. They just they rest their players and then they just phone in the rest of the season. Where some of the best heroics and stories that you hear from the English leagues and European leagues as a whole are those heroics of of salvation from the relegation zone. Exactly. And I think, I think that that's one thing you miss of not having a promotion relegation system. 
it's the motivation and some would argue oh but mls championships mean plenty of motivation and i say to that from a certain point yes but you don't see clubs like i'll use new i've been picking on new england because they've lost how many mls cups like five it's 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 way too many they 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 don't they aren't they aren't invested in it. They haven't. Robert Kraft hasn't built a soccer-specific stadium, and he's not gonna. No, he's, no he's not going to. He he loves his Patriots too much. And when the Patriots get bad again, which at some point it's going to happen, and Boston sports fans aren't aren't going to know what to do with themselves. It's it's going to happen when Tom Brady retires. We'll say. But that being said. They don't have motivation to do well. They don't have this motivation to constantly be doing well or else they face the door getting kicked out the door and suddenly they're playing against a team from Louisville or Sacramento or and realizing that less people are going to come to their stadium and that they're going to have to sell their players and get and get cheaper players until they can get back up and get to that get that tv money again the what the biggest thing to come out of the usl um or not the usl the nasl complaining over the past two years was the tv deal that was suggested by ricardo de silva last year Mm -hmm. i don't think this year's new york cosmos thing has got any leg to stand on when it comes to creating a proper pyramid in a promotion relegation system there's no plan it's just saying oh we're not like everybody else so we should be like everybody else and if we're like everybody else in this case we're gonna fail because clubs clubs will fold mls clubs will fold because they get relegated it's just a matter of life that's how it would be that's the fans wouldn't some of those fans wouldn't show up just look at columbus just threatening to move has dramatically affected their gate it's it's just like um sunderland selling the team for a for a pound exactly it's the it, that's a very good comparison it's very it, very good comparison what this says to me just throwing money at a problem that money cannot fix is basically a hipster saying that MLS and USL is too mainstream. That, that's what that says to me. And, and you want mainstream. You just need to generate money from it so you can bring in better players, not just for the top flight. You don't just want to bring in your top player, young players from the top flight. You want to bring in good players into the second divisions washouts from the first division that are trying for a second chance so that they can earn promotion and become great players again just look at the story of leicester city i always come back to leicester city Mm -hmm. you've got a you've got a team that almost gets relegated the previous season and next thing you know you've got what's his name um jamie vardy setting the all-time goals in a row record for the Premier League. And not only do you bring in good players, 
you bring in players that will make things exciting. Exactly. And I, I remember an interview with Jurgen Klopp, and this was with the Men in Blazers. You, you probably listened to this as well. But Is it the most recent one? Yes. I have not listened to it. Lay the knowledge on me. Roger Bennett asked Jurgen Klopp, would he rather have a season of no glory, but excite, excitement all throughout the season, or would you rather have excitement but no glory? Uh, no, no glory but excitement, or would you rather have glory but no excitement? My goodness. That is... Bless me. Um, that is... Wow. That... Exactly. That, and, and, I, I want that written on the USL front office to talk about that. Same thing with the MLS office. I want Don Garber to get that tattooed to his eyelids. So he, and here's the thing. This past Premier League season, Manchester City played amazing football. and They won the title like five weeks in advance or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was still exciting because of the late drama with Manchester United. So that was still exciting. It, it, it was good it, it was exciting, but it can, a lot of games they just blew out teams. Yeah, they and blew you, out teams. You don't and want it, that. And fans don't like that. They they want to see exciting soccer, and that's what Liverpool gave them this summer. Amen. That's what Liverpool gave them with. Uh, Coutinho, despite the fact that he left halfway through the season, but that's a, that gave them with a Firmino, Mane, and Mosala, and I know that you agree with me. I have no response to that. I'm I. Oh, we are one hour away from tomorrow being here. One hour away, and and it it is and it is exciting, and it's. That's why people watch soccer. That's why people watch associated football is because of the excitement, because of the drama, because of the comebacks, the because of the personalities. You're not hiding under a helmet. You're not dealing with clock management or anything like that. It's just put 22 guys on a pitch, give them strategies and make them from the world over and have them try and kick the ball into the other's net. And if you can sell that in third world countries and have thousands of people turn up with all the money that they have or have a fan build a crane because he got banned from the stadium, then we deserve to have that from top to bottom and not be called a minor league anymore. I want to see, I dream of a day. I complained about this recently with the ESPN Plus, and I think this will be my final say because we are running out of time. But I I complained a couple weeks ago when ESPN Plus first came out that USL wasn't represented in the actual ESPN app at all. You had the Premier League, the Championship, League One and League Two, in England, but you didn't have USL. This week, they added it. Mm-hmm. 
that the, I, the next thing you know, you're going to see the USL highlights on ESPN. Mm-hmm. One day that's going to happen, and I, for one, welcome that day. And I have just have one last thing to say, and it, it breaks my heart to say this, but the last day of the 2012 Premier League season when Kun Aguero just broke every single Manchester United hearts, every single Manchester United heart with his last second goal to win the Premier League. It breaks my heart to say this, but people still talk about that day. I still watch the highlights from time to time because it's so palpable. There is, you can't bottle that up. The NFL can't bottle that up. Major League Baseball got a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with that during the World Series two years ago. I'm a little biased, but you can't bottle that up, and yet every year, somewhere in the world, soccer gives us those moments. They're not all magically the same, but they always happen. You and I can remember... You and I have been soccer fans. You've been probably a soccer fan longer than I have. I was a casualty of the 2014 World Cup. You and I remember where we were when John Brooks scored. You and I remember where we were when the champ- there were comebacks in the Champions League or when we saw Michael Bradley's goal in Mexico. We remember those those things. I, I, I remember where I was... When Barcelona came back against PSG in the Premier and the Champions League, exactly. Last year. That's exactly I what remember, I was alluding to. I remember where I was when Landon Donovan scored against exactly. Algeria in the 2010 World exactly. Cup. Exactly. It's those moments that make this game beautiful. Exactly. I remember the heartbreak. My first soccer memory is six years ago, seven years ago now sitting in a local just dive restaurant that has the best sandwiches watching the penalty kicks for the 2011 Women's World Cup against Japan and just being devastated even though I hadn't watched most of the tournament. We have those memories and I don't think that the way that the NASL is going about this is going to generate those memories. Nope. It's just going to create a business, a scummy business thing that's going to be based on making money and not about growth. If they if they come alongside and they ask for a seat at the table instead of asking for the table to be overturned, then we can talk about it. But just throwing money on a table and saying I'm buying you all or I'm buying into this, I want to control it now isn't going to work. It's never worked in business and it's not going to work now. Nope. In sports. So. Cuz in in re- in reality in reality this is a business. It it, is, it, it, it but just it's, is. It's a business that has heart to it. Yes. There's and no very few other businesses that generate this kind of heartbreak or this kind of joy unless of course you're the Walt Disney Company buying Marvel Studios and the Marvel Cinematic Universe but that's a whole different story yes oh great analogy I'm going to create this analogy and ask you for your final thoughts and then we're going to 
we're going to take this marathon into the night. In my mind, based on this whole discussion, the best possible way to surmise this is the slow but steady growth over time of Marvel Studios' Marvel Cinematic Universe with the Hulk, with Iron Man, with Iron Man 2, and Captain America. And then they're bought by Disney, and they keep growing to the point where you have the Avengers. You have the sequel Captain America movies, and you grow all the way to the point we're at where we were at this past weekend with the cultural dynamite that was Avengers Infinity War. Again, go see it. Whereas you have the also ran that wants to be included but doesn't know what they're doing, throws money at it, and gets a mediocre result. I, of course, am referring to the DC, the wallowing DC Cinematic Universe. Not nearly as quality, not nearly as passionate, and just kind of thrown together to imitate another product. So, NASL is to DC as MLS and USL are to Marvel. That is just a perfect analogy. And I will say one last thing, and it's the same thing I've said many times before, and I will say to the day I die, go support local soccer. Indeed. Please. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Please. And that's all I have to say. Well, this has been our longest show. We thought it was going to be our shortest show, Jordan, but we somehow made it our longest. It is now 11.11 Eastern Time, and we're going to see this thing out into the night. This has been the American Soccer Broadcast podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can now go to our website, asbpodcast.com. You can visit us on Facebook at ASB Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at ASB Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet at us. You can post on our Facebook. Any any questions, comments, anything is welcome. We love to hear from you guys, and we want you to join in on this promotion relegation and this pyramid discussion for U.S. domestic league soccer and its effect on the overall sport. I've been Alex Ryder. You can find me on many different channels. I am on Twitter at ghost underscore writer. You can find me under the same handle on Instagram as well. You can find my technology and other muses on tevilo.com. That's T-E-V-I-L-O.com. You can also find me in my weekly writer's takes on the Orlando Lion's Den podcast and my weekly column now that the story grows on OrlandoLionsDen.com. Jordan? Well, I have a much shorter list of uh, what you had. Uh, You can find me on Twitter as J-R-A-Y Hawkins, tweeting mainly just about my love of soccer, whether that's Seattle or Manchester United, uh, Lansing United, Indy 11. I like a lot of teams. And you can really finally mainly 
find me mainly tweeting about those. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram as uh, 21jhawk. Uh, tweeting, uh, posting pictures about uh, just really random things that make me smile and or laugh. Thank you very much for listening to our tyrannical and long-winded debates, and we will talk to you and see you very soon. Party on, people. Be excellent to each other.